Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Here we are on the Lark cast. I am not Russ, and that is not Tony. So nope. we are giving those guys a break here at the end of the year, and we wanted to have a conversation uh, about the incarnation. So we're going to dive in in just a minute, but just have to say, like, it's been an incredible year. And I know, Ryan, you've listened to a lot of the podcasts and you've had a hand in even doing a lot of the work behind the scenes on some of that stuff over the course of a long period of time, I guess. But man, 30, I think we're on episode 34 of this thing. And there's just been so many good conversations, so many uh, needed points of reference for all of us to just explore scandalous grace explore life in god's grace and explore what are the implications of this jesus of nazareth who walked out of a tomb and said that that we're gonna do the same thing with him um i think that that's been really encouraging for a lot of people and it's been encouraging for me and the more people i meet along the way with what we're doing um it's just good news everywhere and people are not just glad for it. I feel like they're desperate for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's pretty awesome. And Russ and Tony, cheers to you guys for the work that you've done um, and and for the amount of drive uh, that you've put into it to keep it going and making it happen and and having fun with it. All of that, all of that put together, man, that's a huge, huge gift to the Lark community. Yeah. Yeah. I love it too. Um, I think one of my favorite things lately has been when I find out that people around me have like been listening in, been part of the conversation that I didn't even know about. Right. Like I'll talk to somebody randomly one day about it and they're like, Oh yeah, I had this guy talking about it. And I had, I told these guys to listen to it and this guy's digging the podcast. And so it's just cool that there's, I think there's a lot more going on than we're even aware of, um, which is kind of what happens whenever you, unleash something like that and you know take the uh take the the hands off of the reins a little bit it can go wild yeah that's right and and i'll even say on on the lark tour like we see that exactly how you said it man like oh there's whoa (laughs) all these people we've never seen they may not may or may not follow us on instagram like dude they're listening and they're being encouraged and they're passing it on along the way which is Mm -hmm. that's that's hugely encouraging for us because that's it. We want to see yeah. the message get out. We want to see more people hear about it. I'm here uh, in Ryan's house <laughs> for everyone. Like we're in different rooms and we kind of, we pulled this together to make it work. And I just want to share a little bit of my story and why this is happening. Cause um, it, it all does fit together. So stick with me. Um, for those of you that don't know, um, my name's Jameson. I'm the newest member of the Lark team as of a year and three months ago or something, um, a year and five months ago. And I came on my role, my title, we call it the director of community development. And one of the things 
one of the primary reasons that I wanted to jump in and to do this and specifically the way I'm doing it is to meet people <laughs> and have the opportunity to sit with them and hear the long version of their story and be able to offer encouragement that doesn't sound hallmarky or intellectual or, or just something that makes me feel better about saying something. I think encouragement goes so much further when you can hear who someone is, what they're actually struggling with, what they think. Um, and that takes time, you know, that takes time. And so when I jumped on the team, I was kind of scratching my head about like, how are we going to do this? Um, what's this going to mean? Or, or like, what's this even going to look like? Cause that's a lot of money. If I'm flying places and staying in hotels and buying food, get like 90 minutes with somebody. And then I got to go home. <laughs> uh, my wife was like, why don't, what if we get a camper an RV? And I was like, I mean, we kind of both laughed it off at first. And then a couple months later, she suggested it again in a text message and was like, no, seriously, what if we did this? Mm. And I remember sitting there, I was in the car actually with Russ and Tony, and I laughed out loud. I was like, I don't have an answer to the why not question. Um, let's give it a go because we can go see the people in the Lark network. They're all over the place. They're coast to coast, north to south. Um, they're even global. I don't, I don't think I'll be able to take my camper across the ocean, but um, I, I do get to, to go and see people all over the place. And this has been so fun. You know, I've been to Florida and back from Iowa. Iowa was our starting point. And then I spent the last two months in St. Louis, did a whole bunch of travel from there. Now, here we are in Conway, Arkansas. My family's never set foot in this state ever before and we've gotten to see Fayetteville and I got to meet a guy there who has been encouraged by Lark stuff and then Ryan hosted me and my family all day yesterday <laughs> and we had a good time and a ton of good conversation and that is the stuff man like that's why we're doing this and we had a Ryan hosted a a campfire in the backyard and we talked on I don't know what time was it when we wrapped up <sighs> Uh, one thirty in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. Yep. That was so fun. Like six guys showed up or something and man, there was no agenda, but we sure got into some, some stuff. Yeah. Um, talking about Jesus, talking about church and talking about good news and bad news, like, yeah. right. And the difference. And so to bring all of this together, we're talking today about the incarnation, like, hmm. right. That's a big theological word. Um, and it's the basis, the heart and center. I mean, I don't, I don't know how you can get a big enough word to explain how significant the incarnation is for the, the Christian faith, the people that follow Jesus, believe in this guy, uh, mm -hmm. who did a thing and said some things that got him killed. Um, but what I see in my work and with Russ and Tony is that like, we can learn from the incarnation. It's not, it's primarily the, the truth of reality and good news, right? The incarnation mm -hmm. is like the, the thing that resets the focus of human ability to see things and perceive things. And like it all, it's all held together in that, but it's also a promise of like, you, you can, you can be a part of this mm -hmm. <laughs> in, to be incarnate. So for me, I was like, well, that's why I want to go and hang out with people instead of do Zoom calls all the time. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be like some kind of 
self-imagined spiritual guru that you get on the phone with because probably wouldn't be good at that and no one really wants that I don't think I mean there might be Mm -hmm. a few people but um, to be able to have the time space and even energy like my whole family to to go out and and show up to people's places Um, I feel like I've learned like that impulse to, to do that for me and my wife it came out of like the deep searching and learning that came out of the idea of the incarnation. Yeah. Well, I, and I think especially right now, I mean, I know that anybody could listen to this podcast any time of year, but um, right now in real time, we're close to Christmas and uh, that's a word that, that people are going to see around. Um, And, and sometimes, you know, just like with a lot of different words in the religious world, it maybe uh, gets thrown around so much that it gets a little bit watered down and kind of taken for granted and not really fully understood. So mm-hmm. I think um, I think that's probably a big reason why you want to press in on that a little bit here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And if you've not been following along the last couple of weeks, Tony has built three videos and he's got one more coming at the end of this week. And what we've done is taken a quote about the incarnation specifically, and he's built a, a video out of it, just expressing visually, and you hear the quote read over it. Go check those out. They're they're on Instagram, Lark underscore social. They're also sitting on our blog where I added just some, basically some exploration of that quote in mm-hmm. written form. And we've done these because we're so... I mean, I'll put it in my words. I'm speaking for Russ and Tony a little bit here, but like the incarnation is just so breathtaking. It scandalizes you. It really is the thing that makes Christianity sound so absurd. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this God became a man, became mm. a human. And to make like, to put it in terms, I think the simplest way to say it, like we all know in Genesis, it says God made humans in his own image, right? In mm. his own image, he created them. Mm-hmm. Well, the incarnation, in effect, if that's true, is God making himself in his own image. Mm-hmm. Which, if God is this spirit whom we don't really have a way of finally explaining, <laughs> like we can't <laughs> conclusively define God. Um, we have ideas about it, but the, just the nature of, yeah, we're, we're humans. We live on the earth inside of the world, the universe that he created, and he's mm-hmm. not bound by the time and space thing right. like we are. And so our understanding will only ever be uh, limited by that. So all that to say, incarnation is such a big deal. <laughs> it's why Lark exists. And we're really excited to talk about it here. And if you want to read some more about it, it's on the blog and you got to watch those videos. They're beautiful. Um, the one from last this past Saturday it's stunning. Um, it's beautiful. You gotta, you gotta check it out. Um, and I hope that those videos they're encouraging and I hope that they kind of spark something. Um, but so Ryan, for you, I'm just going to throw this at you. When you hear the word incarnation and you're thinking about your family, your friends, your neighbors, whoever, what, like what happens for you? Like when you're like, well, what, what does this mean? What, what is this for? What does it do? Yeah, 
Man, uh, that's such a big question. Um, and we rehearsed this so much ahead of time. So I'm so amply much. prepared for this. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, so when you when you ask that question and I start thinking incarnation, because honestly, I, I don't know about you, but for me, incarnation is not something that um, I felt like was given a lot of airtime, right? Uh, in, in any sort of, uh, you know, faith journey that, that I've been on. Um, you, you talk about crucifixion, resurrection, right? Uh, but I don't hear or haven't heard as much talk about the idea of incarnation and why it's even important. Uh, but I also don't think it's like you can rank it compared to something like crucifixion and resurrection because you take away any of them, right? Then the whole thing falls apart. So for me, I'm thinking about, okay, incarnation is, is like the beginning of the end, right? It's the beginning of the crucifixion, resurrection, like it doesn't happen without that. And so it's, it's just as much a part of the good news of Jesus as any other pieces that you would encounter, right? Yeah. Because the, the incarnation is God with us, right? I mean, God and man dwelling together that that is the incarnation that is Jesus coming to live among us. You know, you were talking last night. Um, somebody mentioned uh, Eugene Peterson. You, you were talking about him and like his version of John one, the message translation talks about uh, God moving into the neighborhood. Yeah. Right. It is the way he talks about that, uh, which I just thought was a super cool um, way to, you know, couch that idea. Uh, and so that's, I think I, that's what comes to mind for me immediately is that it's not a separate thing. It's not an extra thing. It's not a bonus cherry on top of the whole like Jesus story. It's the, it's the beginning of the good news of Jesus. You can't have it without that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And even more so like when you incarnation is a theological term, right? Um, it carries a lot of weight in the in theological conversations and like forgive me for nerding out for a little bit here but what that means when you say the word incarnation theologically speaking you're including everything that has to do with the life of jesus and which is a, a huge reason when you hear about things like the church calendar i don't know if everyone here has ever heard of that but there is a church calendar that was uh, developed, I mean, I think the Catholic Church has a version of it, and the Anglican Church, um, ever since Cranmer built the Book of Common Prayer, there's been this rhythm throughout the year where they go through the whole scripture, like the whole Bible, um, hmm. in three different ways, all these things. It, there's so much to it, but the beginning of the church calendar is Advent, which starts at the last sunday of november usually hmm. they begin the year with advent not christmas so you would think well jesus was born that's the beginning of it that's the incarnation actually christmas comes later in the church calendar yeah. because and this is what i love about advent and i've 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 done advent in church context before um but also just like i'm not currently in or attending a specific church at the mm -hmm. moment and Advent just is such a powerful experience and thought for me, because what you're doing in Advent is, I mean, Advent means arrival, right? Coming. Yeah. 
the coming of God, the arrival of God is what that refers to, which is essentially the incarnation. Like the incarnation is the first arrival, but then there's also the promised forthcoming, like he's going to return um, mm. in a way that, and at a time that we don't have any, like, we don't know exactly how or when that's going to work, but it's coming. And the church has celebrated those two advents, if you will, mm. before Christmas at the start of the church year to recalibrate our faith hmm. on that reality because they they knew it for in order for people to trust this jesus dude they're gonna have to like be reminded over and over and over again that it's about a god who came it's not about a god who said come to me and get on my level hmm. he came he's already come and he's coming again this is the heart and soul the basis of following jesus yeah so, yeah, and I think, you know, so I'm coming from a little bit different background. You're talking about church calendar and all this stuff, and and that was not anything that I was raised around. Like, I uh, I know it exists, right, but I couldn't tell you a, a whole lot about it. Um, and then Advent, even, like, for me, you know, I've just learned a little bit about Advent in the last couple of years, honestly. That was, again, not something that was ever really emphasized for me, and I'm sure there's people listening that are in both of those camps, right? Yeah. Um, and so I, I've had trouble with like symbolism and, and ritualistic kind of things. Right. I'm like, why wait a bunch of candles? Why are we lighting a bunch of candles? I don't understand why that, like how that impacts my relationship with Jesus and, and my family and, and all that. And so not that I'm, I'm at the point now where it's like, okay, those things aren't necessarily wrong, but also I'm not wrong for not you know, doing all those things. Right. Uh, but what I have come to appreciate about the season of Advent, if you will, um, for me, I think is just the idea of waiting, right. Um, the, all the exactly. leading up to it. Like if there's, if you've seen like the Advent uh, calendars and uh, I mean, we did one last year uh, with our 10 uh, year old now and is like a, lego you know advent calendars every day he opened like one little bitty lego thing and every day for like a month we would talk to him about waiting and patience and anticipation and trying to build up to something um and i think there's something real cool about that um how even in the jesus story the coming of jesus prior to that there's a long season of waiting right uh, where people hadn't really heard from God, you don't see, uh, you know, there's, there's hundreds of years between the Old Testament and the New, and you first start seeing things like angels coming to talk to people and announce that there's someone coming and all this stuff and the anticipation that builds up to that, but also the amount of nothing doing <laughs> that, yeah. that leads yes. up to it, um, which I think is just really appropriate. It wasn't, hey, get ready. He's coming. You need to, you need to clean things up before he gets here. Uh, there wasn't any of that. It was just waiting. Uh, and so I don't know. I think there's something cool about that. Absolutely. I think that that's such a good point. It's, it is waiting. It is desperate. I mean, the 400 years of silence that you call that like intertestamental yeah. period or whatever yeah. like dude i can't even imagine it i mean 
we can imagine what we're experiencing now, right? Waiting for for the return of Christ where he finishes everything he started, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, dude, things are going to be made right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We're all longing for that. But um, the prophets, right? They said all these things and all of a sudden they're silent. God's mm-hmm. not even speaking anymore. So yeah, dude, that's that's spot on. And and yeah, I bring up the Advent and church calendar stuff because it gets a bad rap, you know, and it's easy to take all of those things out of context and turn them into like a, a ritualistic, if you don't do this, you're not in kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I love about it is that that's not what it was built for. That's just what mm-hmm. people do with it. And you don't have to do Advent. You don't have to do Book of Common Prayer. You don't have to be Anglican. <laughs> Um, but I just think that there's some really beautiful stuff in there because they understood when they built those rhythms out that man, humans hate trusting in Jesus. Mm-hmm. They hate waiting on God waiting, man. to do what he said he's going to do. They really want to figure out how to make it happen now on our, on their yeah. own. And so we're going to have to build some rhythms in that help wean us off of that self-inflicted uh, desire of, of getting it done now, figuring out how to get to God. Yeah. You know, Jesus shows up and he says, I'm here. (laughs) The kingdom of God is at hand. Whoa. Yeah. But then even in that, it's like a record scratching moment because he did not show up in the way that people had been expecting for that long. Right. They're waiting on something. And then it was just, wait, really? this 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 guy this is it no 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 there must have been a mistake <laughs> uh we're gonna have to call the manager here because this isn't working out the way i wanted it to <laughs> excuse me sir can i speak to your manager please <laughs> you represent god like yahweh of the the one the prophets i don't know man you're from Na- nowhere nazareth is what it's called oh man <laughs> so one of the things that on that, like what that sparks for me is this idea of, okay, why the incarnation? What, what is it, right? Um, when you look through the words of Jesus, right? Um, and we've spent the whole LARC cast talking about this, the parables of Jesus, the words of Jesus, the things that he said, the incarnation, I think a, a great way to talk about it is the incarnation is Jesus showing us what God is really like Hmm. by becoming a person and then walking with people Mm -hmm. on the one hand. And on the other hand, by teaching and telling stories, Jesus told so many stories. That's what one of our videos was about. uh, I think the first week he is recorded telling stories more than almost anything else Mm -hmm. in his ministry. And so like with the Lark cast going through all of those stories, all those parables, you, you see like, oh, he's, he's like course correcting our understanding and picture of who God is, what he's Mm -hmm. like. And then it says in John 17, or actually it's not John 17, but if you've seen me, you have seen the father, right? That Mm -hmm. shows up in the gospel of John a couple different times. And that's the kind of stuff that got him killed for sure. But what we see going on there is like you said, this isn't what we expected because he's not given Rome the boot. <laughs> like he's not yeah. kicking Rome out of Israel. Right. Um, he didn't even necessarily 
like have a throwdown with Satan and expel him. Yeah. Apparently, the thing he got rid of was the temple. <laughs> yeah. And and our understanding of how we commune with the living God. And then and this is what blows my mind. And and I know you mentioned something about the temple, but I'll so I'll stop after this like Jesus said I'm going to tear the temple down and in three days i'm going to rebuild it yeah which is so loaded it's such a loaded thing to say right in in jesus moment in his cultural moment but this is like this is the epitome of what the incarnation was about he came to undo and fulfill not just like he didn't just have like mean things to say and that wasn't even the point he just came and said all of what it takes for you to be reconciled with god is in me and i'm yep. going to do it and you no longer have to do any of it um, and in fact you never really had to in the first place these were all practices i would call them training wheels <laughs> for mm. helping you not depend on yourself yeah, yeah. right um, but they weren't enough the law was only ever enough to essentially convince you that you can't, you can't fulfill right. it. You can't complete it, but it right. is also the vision. It's the, that like what life with God is going to look like one day. Mm. You can't get there and accomplish it. It's going to happen. And Jesus brought it about. So the incarnation, right? Like Jesus shows up and says, not the temple, me. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, man, we're going to have to this may be the beginning of a spinoff podcast. I mean, Tony may cut all this out because he thinks we're getting <laughs> a little too nerdy here. But, yeah. you know, but but if you're listening now and you're like, man, I don't like all that fun garbage that Russ and Tony throw out there. Just give me more of the nerdy stuff with Ryan and Jameson. Just, <laughs> just blow up Tony's social media or something and let him know. Um, but who knows? This may not go to air. But um, <laughs> I know I'm with you, though, on the temple thing. And I think that's such um, at least to me and to, to a lot of people that I have had conversations with. I think it's such an interesting and um, insightful concept. Right. So so you talk about that statement of um, destroy this temple. I'll raise it up in three days. Right. Um, but you even have already brought up Genesis. And what a lot of people don't know is that John one is a retelling of Genesis 1, right? They both start with the exact same phrase in the beginning, right? And then it tells the story of God building his uh, temple presence with people, right? Um, God takes seven days, uh, you know, to build this thing. Uh, and at the end of it is this ceremony, like crowning him as, as the, the king, uh, the, the one that is over this, this temple. And in it, he comes and walks among his people, right? And then you read John 1, where in the beginning, right, same thing, and there's this, this poetic uh, structure at the beginning of it, and it ends up with this king coming and walking among his people, right? Exactly what it says in John 1, 14. And so there, this whole language, and it just continues throughout all of the gospels where Jesus is coming to, to be with people and to say, I'm doing that. You're not coming to me. I'm setting up camp among you and it is done. Right. And, um, and then we get to be a part of that, which is so cool. It's not that we have to, to, 
make ourselves ready or to check enough boxes or whatever it is like us being a part of it is already a part of the story. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's cool just to, to think about in conjunction with the idea of, of advent and waiting and all that we're it's, it's already, but we're still waiting on it. And there's something exciting about that. And it's, I don't know, it's for me, that is a whole different paradigm than, um, man, I hope I can, I hope I can attain to this, right? Because now there's nothing to attain to. Yep. Man, amen to that. And (laughs) when you think about the, the temple and the practices and the rituals and all of the, the purification codes and the levels of entry, like who gets to go how far into the temple and whatnot. Um, there's, there's parallels to the way some churches function today. And this is where I think we, like the incarnation has gotten maybe sidelined, maybe, yeah. um, but uh under emphasized and that's like if if it's not if the incarnation isn't the heart and soul of of the theology of your church but also your practice whatever that is um you're you're going to wind up replicating the temple yes not resting in the guy who came and made himself the replacement of the temple Yeah. yeah and dude i like and trust me, like, like I mentioned, I love the book of common prayer and I don't think it's for everybody. I love it. I love, I love habits. I love that stuff. I also loved building liturgy for Sunday mornings, like writing and singing worship songs and, and the whole morning, like planning the flow and getting people in a room together to do communion and, and all of these things. Like I love those so much, but the way it typically looks on a Sunday morning inside of a a building. Yeah. You can draw a lot of lines directly to temple practices. You can't draw a lot of lines to the resurrection of Jesus and that really weird ragtag group of people that started telling people about Jesus. Right. And I know like that's a hard thing to hear. Um, but seeing it firsthand kind of from both sides, like I was under the hood, <laughs> I yeah. became ordained as an elder and I got to have the, the opportunity to, to work on all of that stuff and, and swim within that river current, but also being outside of it after the fact and looking at it like, man, there, it's really hard not to get totally distracted by yeah. all of the things that we're doing, the way that we're doing them and whether or not we like it here as opposed to that place or the one down the street or next door. Um, so to me, like seeing that churches appear more to mimic more of the temple than they mimic that story, the narrative, just the explosion in the book of acts that yeah, we, we can't really explain. It just happened. Dude. Yeah. Like the Holy spirit did something <laughs> and a yeah. bunch of people heard Peter preach a sermon and they went home to their own country without a Bible. They went without a coaching system. They went without a pastor. They went without anything that we basically consider non-negotiables in the church. Yeah. Well, and so I just, for me to connect this like really practically for, for just your average person, right. Uh, I'm going to go into my real nerdy mode and come back out of it in a second. But like, uh, I think the the implication of this is that we have a lot of people who 
you know, you hear the phrase uh, like Emmanuel, right? God with us. Um, but the way that it is taught and the way that it is understood both in the church world and outside of the church world is that Emmanuel doesn't mean God with us. It means God with them, right? With a few key mm. people who are trained, who have access, who have some special connection with God. It's like, man, Jesus, uh, God's got a real like thing, good thing going on with that person. And so I need to come around and be close to that person because that's how I have access. Right. Um, which is so not true, right. That's not what the right. incarnation is. And you're talking about connections to temple stuff, right? Like we're so, you know, we'll go back to the garden. Right. And most people know the story that, you know, people get kicked out of the garden. So you've got uh, the, the old Testament temple. And if you read any of the really long, boring chapters about the way that the temple is constructed, uh, what you may notice, uh, is that it is supposed to reflect the garden of Eden, right? All of the decorations and everything is garden imagery. And there's this one spot that's the Holy of Holies that people are not allowed into, right? Because that's where the presence of God dwells. And since the garden people as in like the population have been separated from that and it requires a representative to go back and forth, you know, into the room to meet with God and then back out to meet with the people. And that is what most people think that God is still like, right? That God is there. Sure. Um, and this Jesus thing is cool, but I still have to have a representative to go between me and God himself. But that is not what the incarnation is. The incarnation is God with us, not God with them. And if we can understand that, that there's not a priest that like goes between us and God, but that we are all, you know, quote unquote priests, right? That we all are bearers of good news. Uh, then that, that changes everything. The playing field is leveled and Jesus comes and says, no, 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 everybody's in, everybody's in, and you don't need someone else to, to go between God with us, not God with them. I think that even that little thing has such a profound impact on just dude who's trying to lead his family and, and, you know, somebody who's just trying to work their job, right. Or, or whatever it is, student trying to get through school, um, to know that, they don't have to wait on someone else to show them the way they already have it. Yeah. It's a big deal. It is a big deal. And <laughs> like, like a John, it says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. You hear that said out loud as like a badge of honor in churches all of the time. And I've even done it. But what is actually being said in practice is that there are some things some ways to get to the way of Jesus, yeah. the, the yeah. Jesus who is the way, the truth and the life. And it's like, no, Jesus said it flat out that he is the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to father except through him. And that was not, I don't think that's necessarily Jesus being what we like to look at it from modern eyes and modern interpretation as, oh, he's saying it's monotheism. It's like, yeah. I think he's monotheistic, but I don't think that's what he's saying. I think he's saying, I'm the one for all of the, all of you, every single yeah. person, I'm the way and everyone gets to come through me. Right. That's a totally right. different way of looking at that scripture. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what he showed up to do. And 
like you you brought up John one, and I just have to say, if you have some time, and you're you're wanting to do something Christmassy or Adventy, man, just read the Gospel of John in one sitting sometime because the the language is so beautiful. <laughs> like the way John tells the story of Jesus is so unique and so beautiful, and I just I can't get over it. But you'll see some of the themes of incarnation, mm-hmm. and there's mm-hmm. one of my favorite theologians his name is chris green he may never listen to this podcast or hear of my name whatever dude he made this point in one of one of his teachings that has opened up the gospel of john for me especially in relation to uh, the incarnation he said throughout the gospel of john his theology of heaven is god (laughs) okay like home is god home is Hmm. with him Mm -hmm. it's not a cloud it's not a different state of mind or a fourth dimension it's right with him which i'm just like dude emmanuel like this is where it all came from and goes to and yeah jesus showed up to to basically take it out of a building Mm -hmm. and then out of an entire ritualized sense of life to put it back into the person of God via, I mean, now we can, I'm not, we're not going to go here, but all like the Trinitarian theology, Ascension theology, there's just so much stuff that there are implications here, but I I'll say one more thing and I'll, I'll keep passing it off to you. Cause I know I, I ramble a lot, but like the, the everyday person, like what that means for them, all these like crazy theological concepts, like God is already with you. Yeah. You yeah. don't, you don't need any person to tell you how to get to God. You don't need any person to, sh- to like be that go between. You don't need someone to come down from a mountain with the best interpretation of scripture. You don't need someone to condone or not your way of life. Okay. Yeah. Like Jesus has done something absurd and absurdly good. And I think that when, when you miss, when you miss that, when you, when you belittle the incarnation or you only go halfway on it, you lose it all. It, it doesn't make any sense anymore. Um, the incarnation, God with us. And here's, here's the, here's the linchpin for me. The incarnation is not Jesus changing God's mind about us. The incarnation is God changing our mind about him. Mm-hmm. Like let that sit for a second. Yeah. Because I think, in, in a lot of my experiences, and I, I don't want to overgeneralize this, so hear me well, like in a lot of churches, you look at their doctrinal and vision statements and mission statements, you look at their, uh, the names of their churches out on the street or the, the billboards with all the, some of them have such goofy things that they say, like their little quotes on the, uh, whether it's a scrolling yeah. digital one or one of the cool ones where you just put the, the letters in the <laughs> clip in the board. When you look at that stuff, Honestly, I don't get the sense that they've gone all in on the incarnation. I don't get the sense that they're like, yeah, Colossians 1 is right. God saw it fit to dwell in Jesus and in him make peace by the blood of his cross, reconciling all things. Yeah. I don't know that it doesn't look to me like we've gone all in on that. (laughs) Man, I'm going to spare people right now because I feel like I could go on another like nerdy rant if you want that i guess just reach out personally but uh, you know as i hear you say 
uh, some of this stuff. And it's stuff that it's not like this is the first time that this has been said on LarkCast or anything. But but even just those phrases, like you don't need someone to tell you how to get to God. You don't need someone to interpret this for you. Like, um, man, I get that. And what I'm thinking right now, though, is there's people listening either for themselves or they're trying to think about telling this message to someone else. And phrases like that make people incredibly uncomfortable, right? Like it, it throws people off hard because then you're like, well, then what do I do? What exactly? What, what, what do you mean that I don't need someone to tell me the way to God? Like, I don't even have a, a paradigm for what life looks like when, when you say that. Um, so I don't know, in your travels lately over the past, you know, handful of months and meeting with different people, uh, can you think of stories or examples or anything like, what does that look like for someone to live in such a way that they're not relying on this system or on a person or a, um, a structure right to to be the mediator for them to set them up to be okay with god or for god to think that they're okay uh what what's it actually look like what have you seen as far as people actually living in light of that good news yeah that's such a good question and thank you man like it's the first thing i'll say my like an observation of people is whether they're the people I'm on the phone with or emailing or Zoom calls or in their space, there is a, a heaviness on them. And I, it's hard to define it in other terms. Like, I know that there's shame involved in that. I know that mm -hmm. there's loneliness involved in that. I know that yeah. there's all kinds of other things. Like, they are feeling, whether they're in church, like doing the, the typical Sunday routine or if they've felt like they can't do that anymore or anywhere on the spectrum, wherever they are, there's like this, this should word and pressure, like mm -hmm. things you should or ought to, or, or if you yeah. really are, then you, you just will like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's this, this idea that like, we are responsible to show that we're legitimate. Yeah. And I, I, I can feel that when I sit with people and listen to their stories and it's in me too. Right. Mm. Um, I think it's in everybody, but what I've seen is that most of the time it's coming from expectations of churches, churches, expect expectations of their people. Mm. Um, and, and so when we have conversations, when I hear stories and I share my story and, and we laugh about stupid stuff like the bears and the cubs, like, which everyone loves to make fun of me for, I don't care, man. Um, I'm a Chicago fan at heart and I'm never going to go back, but people like their bodies will like, when you start to help them see, Hey, this is like, look at what Jesus actually said. <laughs> look at what he, look at how absurd this story is. Their body starts to detense. Some of them, they're not all, not everyone's like hard in your sleeve per se like that, but yeah, the conversation doesn't stop. That's the other side of it. And I, I like, I've sat down with people that I want to end the conversation three minutes in because it's pretty clear what they're trying to do. They're trying to mm. get me to a next level of some kind mm. and nothing makes me feel more like <laughs> out of that. I'm just like, uh, 
I either get angry, which is on me, or I get judgy, which is also on me, whatever. Like, <laughs> but I'm like, I don't want you to I just need friends, man. I need a friend. Yeah. I want to be able to be honest about my stuff. And, and I want to help other people feel the freedom to do that too. So when I'm talking with people and answering your question, man, like, uh, the, it just like, you just, I want to say and hear more and they want to say and hear more too. And I love that. It's like the conversation that's opened up that they've not felt like they can have. They, so many of us are like, I have these questions and I probably shouldn't yeah. say yeah. it on my Facebook yeah. or, or my church past, my pastor is going to see it or, or my small group leader is going to like come and interrogate me on, are you really believing? Like we might have to come and pray for you or something. I'm like, dude, I, I'm sorry. Like, that's not what, what it should be. That's not what following Jesus is. Yeah. Um, following Jesus is, is just saying, I, I trust <laughs> that you're going to come through, that you're going to do what you said you did. And that what you've already done, it, it did whatever the atonement is like, and that's another big theological word for another podcast, another time. But like, we have like all of what has separated us from God has been atoned for. It is mm -hmm. finished. If it's not finished, then we are in a, a heap of trouble because nothing we do fixes yeah. that. Nothing we do gets us any closer ever. Yeah. So I don't know if that answers the question, but. Man, do you, um, have you heard the illustration about like uh, training elephants like from, from birth uh, so that they don't run away or run wild or anything? No. No. Um, okay. So it's, it's something like, really incredible. And I think a, a great parallel to, to some of this that we're talking about. So when, when you've got a baby elephant, they might like tie it to a stake or to a, a chair or something. Um, and at that point, whatever they're tying it to, they're not big enough to, to move it, to get away from it. Right. So, so they do that. And, but then as they grow up, right, like elephants, I don't know if you've noticed can get real friggin' big and a, a little stake in the ground or a chair somewhere really is pretty insignificant, but they've already got it in their mind that they cannot move this thing because they spent a long time trying to mm. move it and it not working. Um, but they could so easily. Right. And, and so to me, that's so much like what a lot of, of people I know are stuck in is they think they're, that they are, are in the system. It's the only option for them. Right. And there is no other option. I can't get away. This is just how it is. When in reality, that's not the case. And, and you talking about Jesus saying it's done, right? It is finished. But the truth is that so many of us live like it's not. That's right. Right. When reality is so close and there's actually nothing in the way of us living in that, except for our lack of belief that it's true. Dude. Oh man, I could go down a path here. Maybe I shouldn't, but like C Baxter Kruger <laughs> quote, we just put out this last Saturday about. <clears throat> the father's embrace mm -hmm. the one of the things that kruger talks about all the time is this idea of reality and unreality and that's been such a, a helpful distinguishing way of looking at life like mm. people who trust in jesus and people who trust in temples right mm -hmm. um, the temple way of thinking after Jesus has come and done away with the temple 
it makes no sense because you believe a false reality. You believe something untrue about reality. Okay. Whereas so many of our conversations, and, and we did three episodes on, on deconstruction that you can check out if you want to hear more about this, but like so many of us are asking the question, like, well, if the church is doing all these bad things to people, I can't trust in God. Um, mm. And there's some really honest and needed deconstruction. Yeah. Right. But there's also a lot of people being misguided within deconstruction or they just are trying to do it on their own. And they're honestly like, what, how can you possibly know? Um, mm -hmm. But what they're reacting to isn't what God, who God is and what he's really like. They're actually right. reacting to a God that never existed in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so that's heartbreaking for me because like some of that is that like some of that is being caused by churches or pastors mm. or, or Christians. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to say all of it for sure, but like, dude, it's there. And, mm -hmm. and that, that kills me. I've spent a ton of, like, I spent a decade in ministry in Chicago working for a church and the number of Christians that came into our church, most, most of our growth, you know, came that way. They, they, I don't think they believed the gospel. These are people that grew mm -hmm. up all their life going to church. Um, and when I'd sit down, like the anxieties, the, the doubts they have, the, the struggles and the feelings they have, I'm like, whoa, like, I don't know that you, has no one told you that Jesus covered all of this already? And, and you don't have to recover all of those things and you don't have to prove right. that they're covered, you know, like that, that consciousness <laughs> Oh man, it kills me. It it makes me so sad to think that people are walking around with that level of anxiety, spiritual anxiety. Um, yeah. And I just, man, I want them to hear about the incarnation, dude. Like Jesus, what he did when he showed up is way bigger than you've ever imagined. Yeah. Well, it, and all that reminds me, you know, we're talking about incarnation stuff and God being with us and it's already done. And we're in a reality that we don't always see. Um, it, what it makes me think of is you've got the story after Jesus, uh, dies and is resurrected of him walking with a couple of his disciples. Right. And they're, the story is they're walking to this town and the disciples are just like bummed because this Jesus dude that they thought was pretty cool. Um, he got killed. And I guess this whole thing, maybe it isn't what we thought it was. We're with Jesus the whole time. Like he was walking next to them and they did not see him. And what changed everything for them was not that they like got it together and figured it out. Mm. It was that their eyes were open to see it. That's it. That's the only difference. There was no difference in whether or not God was with them before or after that moment. He was already with them. They just didn't see it. And when you see it, it changes everything. Um, it does. And yeah, like that's, that is the meaning of, of incarnation, right? That God is with us, regardless of if you see it or not, you, you don't have to get yourself ready because you're already too late for that. Right. Like He's already here despite mm -hmm. anything you may do or not do. Yeah. Amen to that. <laughs> Let me read a quote in closing. Yeah. Okay. Do it. This is, uh, this is from a book called The Incarnation of God, right? Fitting. Yep. Uh, it's two guys that uh, professors at the Moody Bible Institute, actually, where I went to school, got my, my undergrad. 
and they they do an, a beautiful job just laying out the theology of like salvation hmm. <laughs> via the incarnation. And I love this quote. This is my favorite quote of the whole book. Here we go. It's a little wordy, but bear with me. It says the incarnation is a monumental rebuke of our misguided aspirations for it accomplishes the severe mercy of rendering absurd any notion that reproachment reconciliation i don't know why they had to use such a big word <laughs> it means reconciliation essentially rendering absurd any notion that reproachment between god and humanity is accomplished from the side of humanity mm. renders that notion absurd we do not seek and find a reclusive god he pursues and overtakes us in our rebellion mm -hmm. we do not perforate his unapproachable light he penetrates our unsearchable darkness we do not interrogate the jesus of history to excavate the god of eternity that infinite and eternal god storms space and time to confront us face to face in the face of jesus christ the incarnation scandalizes our desire for heroism without humanity for glory without grace for human ascent without divine dis descent. That is because the incarnation sets before us the unsettling yet liberating reality that reproachment between God and humanity is accomplished only and ever from the side of God. Mm -hmm. mm. Uh, dude, that that's it that settles it for me. Um, mm. and, and reading that book a couple times and then highlighting, you know, at least half of it, um, just because it was so good that that conversation is what he unpacks and, or they, there's two of them, but like it, the incarnation is, is the, the final rubber stamp that says you, you don't, you don't make yourself right with God. You don't yeah. keep yourself right with God. Yeah. Jesus has done it trust him yeah yeah trust trust that that's true um let your life be lived as one who is an heir with christ as it says in romans 8 mm -hmm. instead of seeing life as an ongoing conquest of sin right what does it say at the end of romans uh middle of romans 6 uh you ought, are to consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to god dude that it doesn't get much clearer than that like you don't need to consider yourself bound by sin anymore that doesn't mean stop sinning yeah <laughs> like i feel like that's how we interpret it and it's like no oh yeah what paul is saying is you're not you're not in sin like you can't be because jesus is in you like he's made his you his temple he's made humanity his temple yep that's good news. yeah Oh yeah. Yeah. He looks at us and says, I see all the crap. I see all the failings. I see all the shortcomings, the way that, that you haven't measured up. Um, and I want that. Yeah. I'm, I'm moving in, moving yeah. into the neighborhood. Yep. That's it. Oh dude. Well, Ryan, thanks for jumping on here and, uh, 
sharing your insight, man. This was really, really helpful and really good. I hope that this conversation um, is encouraging to all of you out there listening. And what I want to say to close it down is Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year on behalf of the Lark team, Lark crew. Um, we're signing off for the year. We're gonna we're gonna post repost um, the next two weeks. We're gonna repost a couple of our favorite podcasts from uh, the Lark cast so far, uh, and they're heavy ones. They're big conversations, but they were they were really important moments. So um, this is the last new podcast for 2021 and uh we'll be back in 22 2022 with a, a lot of a lot of really good stuff a lot of really fun conversations and uh we're gonna be we're gonna be going all in on the lark tour uh and coming to hang out uh and to see you guys so um yeah like i said on behalf of the whole lark crew merry christmas a happy new year and we hope that you have just an awesome time and you get to spend some time with family and loved ones and slow down <laughs> so with that, cheers. cheers.